The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. Greetings, scribes. Did you know that you can now sign up for the writer files extra email newsletter and have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox? I'm sending added insights, links to curated collections of shows, including the publishing series and the writer's brain. The first shot at Writer Files merch, and that's just the start. Sign up today at writerfiles.fm. It's that simple. You'll find the Writer Files extra sign-up form, a link to the show archives, and more about my indie podcast production company, New Media Dojo. Just type writerfiles.fm into your web browser, and I'll drop a link in the show notes. I'd also like to ask for your continued support to help keep this show going. As the sole host and producer of the podcast, it's been largely a labor of love these last few years. Through the generosity of listeners like you, we can get back to a regular weekly slate of interviews. And a huge shout out to those of you who recently donated, including ENG and Jason C. I'm moved by the outpouring of support, both large and small. We're close to being able to add one additional show to the lineup next month. So when you sign up for the free newsletter at writerfiles.fm, you'll see a donate button there to securely support the show through PayPal. Every donation, no matter the size, makes a huge difference. And if we provide content that is valuable to you in any way, please consider a one-time or small monthly donation. If you want the free newsletter to support the show or learn more about starting your own podcast, simply go to writerfiles.fm. And thank you, as always. Screenwriting is one of those funny things where because everyone's seen so many movies, they all have an idea, you know, and they all have, you all have an idea for a movie. And I think it's one of those things where every single person is kind of like, oh, I could write a movie, you know, and, and just because I've used a, uh, a toilet my entire life doesn't mean I know how to like install the plumbing for an entire house. And I use that metaphor not to be insulting, but to say like, you need to fail to succeed. You need to write a bunch of scripts to learn. And that's really like the single best thing you could possibly do. There isn't like a book you can read that you're like, okay, once you've read this, you'll be a great screenwriter. That said, I really recommend reading all the books. Welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual award-winning filmmakers and multi-hyphenate screenwriting duo Kaz and Ryan Fierpo spoke to me about their breakout Hollywood moment, writing Marvel's Eternals and How to Eat a Whale. The Fierpos are cousins who grew up in Northern California with a storied background in commercials and documentary filmmaking who describe themselves as filmmakers who write. In 2017, their first feature screenplay, Ruin, topped the black list a showcase for film writers making them a hot commodity in hollywood in addition to writing and directing their first feature their original sci-fi screenplay mimi from rio was purchased in a bidding war by netflix with ridley scott producing their first entry for the mcu is the complex story eternals 
about a race of immortals who helped shape Earth's history and civilizations and emerged from hiding after thousands of years to protect the world from evil. No spoilers here. In this file, the Fear Pose and I discussed the importance of the Blacklist to launching their careers, working with Oscar winner Chloe Zhao of Nomadland fame, world building versus act building in screenwriting. Well, you should read all the screenwriting craft books you can, having drinks with Angelina Jolie and the cast of Eternals, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. If you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published. And please drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to help other writers find us. All right. We're back on The Writer Files. Thankfully, uh, overcoming some very strange last second uh, technical stuff. But I've got the fantastic uh, screenwriting duo of the recent Marvel's Eternals, Kaz and Ryan Firpo. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. I can't wait to dig into this fantastic uh, story of yours and the writing craft. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's really a pleasure, Kelton. This is Kaz. Um, we love talking about craft. We love talking about storytelling. And, um, you know, like, I, I always like to say this because it's true. You know, once upon a time, we were sitting there listening to John August on script notes and trying to pry all the information and clues we could out of these writing mm. podcasts. You know, we've read all the books. We've disregarded all the books and then read them again when we were struggling. You know, we've tried all the weird methods. So we really see ourselves as you know, working screenwriters, but also more importantly, just filmmakers, filmmakers who write. And I think that's a big part of our process is we're always writing for the movie we are seeing in our heads. Um, and yeah, it's one of the great honors of our lives that Eternals is on the big screen. Go see it. Go see it twice. Go see it in IMAX. Um, and yeah, this, that's me. Yeah. And um, yeah, this, this is Ryan. And I wrote uh, Marvel's Eternals along with uh, my cousin Kaz here. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic uh, to get a chance to rap with you about your craft and the writing life. And of course, um, I'm sure that listeners are, are very interested to hear your superhero origin stories, a little bit more about how you two um, formed this, this bond as a, a famous screenwriting duo, now famous screenwriting duo. Congratulations on the success of Eternals. Um, I got to see it on the big screen. And I have to say, um, I was moved in, in ways that I was not uh, prepared to be moved. And it was uh, really, really something to behold. But talk a little bit about how this fantastic um, superhero duo was launched. Because from what I understand, um, you know, it wasn't that <laughs> overnight success. Well, it, you know, it takes it takes decades to, to make a career. But more importantly, it just it just takes years to make movies. I mean, that's the truth. Even in the best case scenario, Eternals is pretty much about the best case scenarios you could have. And I think that took about three years. Nobody was planning on a pandemic um, getting in the way of that. And so, you know, when you say it's like, oh my God, it's all happening suddenly, it's also you forget that it, well, really, we were working on Eternals almost three years ago. Uh, and that's the magical thing, you know, and that it can seem like this sudden success. But yeah, our origin stories are, are fairly simple. We were cousins, we were born and raised in the Bay Area. We kind of came at film from two different sides. I went to NYU film school. I always knew I wanted to make movies. I was kind of a film school brat. And I got into commercials <laughs> right after college, which got me then into documentaries, which is just an incredible way to tell 
what I like to say, you know, human stories, powerful stories, stories with stakes. Uh, and you don't need permission to make a difference. You don't need like money to go off and, and tell a story that has some meaning. And that was a big part of my career and my life. And Ryan came at film from his side and going to film school for a semester, dropping out, taking that money, making a feature film with his best friends and sort of discovering filmmaking from that side. But it was a street, a skate rat in the you know, <laughs> East Bay, South San Francisco, North San Francisco, and just sort of like hustling out there. And we yeah. met in the middle years later when we just sort of said, look, you're working as a, an editor in San Francisco. I'm shooting wedding videos out in New York. Like, let's write a script that we could go make, you know, for like under a million dollars with just a few characters and like really bring everything we've learned and bring it to bear. And that's really where our journey began with this one script called Ruin. Yeah. And that's a pretty triumphant story, given that it we'll talk a little bit about the black the importance of the blacklist to screenwriters like yourselves. Yeah. I mean, I was more of a religious uh, follower of the blacklist, I think, than than Kaz was, uh, even at the time that we ended up winning it. You know, I I remember that I would I would have like friends that were in the industry that I would beg them every year, could you send me like the blacklist scripts? You know, because mm-hmm. you couldn't really get um, them back in the day unless you like kind of knew somebody. And so then I would like through a bunch of like different channels, I would eventually get this zip file with a whole bunch of scripts. And would just kind of like pour through them and just see, you know, like, well, what are other people who are in a similar position that I am? Like, what are they writing about? What are they doing? Like, what do their scripts look like? And also just enjoying them, you know, just enjoying them as a fan of, of, of storytelling and a fan of screenwriting. You know, there's a lot of really fantastic voices, obviously, that come out of, out of the blacklist. And so, you know, I was I was more uh, aware of it. But uh, the, for the process of us where we ended up winning it, you know, that was a really interesting situation because we went out with Ruin um, earlier in the early in the year, like February, um, and um, and basically by like March or April ish, we had optioned it to a producer and we had a director attached, and that thing was kind of like set up. And then um, and then at the same time, we were writing our, our second spec script, um, this movie called Mimi from Rio, which we ended up selling to Netflix in like early December of that year. So it was just like this really <laughs> incredible year where everything kind of went right. And then right after we sold Mimi from Rio to, to Netflix, then we got a call from our agents telling us that we our script, a rune was at the top of the blacklist and that we won the blacklist. <laughs> and so we were just like, oh, my yeah. God, it's like this is just a crazy like Cinderella story, basically. Um, and so so in terms of like um, it didn't we had already kind of very fortunately had so much success that year that the blacklist was just sort of like that extra little um, push that I think made it. Uh, a lot easier for for Nate for Nate Moore for example to come and um and try to sell us to Kevin as the writers for for the Eternals for Eternals. Hmm. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community, where subscribers get access to uncut ad free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join. 
to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Um, yeah, you don't seem like your average like Hollywood A-listers. You guys seem like super down to earth. You come from kind of a more humanistic side and and that must have really appealed to that um, production group. And talk a little bit about working with Chloe Zhao and coming off her um, you know, Oscar win with from Nomadland, which is like a very, you know, a, a very earthy kind of uh, adaptation. You know, how, how did you make that? kind of transition into okay here's a 700 page pdf right. about <laughs> the you know eternals and, and the marvel universe yeah i mean we so we came on to eternals first you know and um and and really helped build the movie and then and then we did two drafts before they brought on chloe and so um so you know we were around when they were doing the whole director search and when they started talking about Chloe, we just, we got really excited because we had seen the writer and we just knew what a special filmmaker she was. And this was um, actually before she even started filming Nomadland. So that didn't really exist wow. yet. We, we knew that she was like doing something called Nomadland with Francis McDormand, but we didn't mm-hmm. really know like what it was or, or what, how, if it was really happening or whatever. So, um, so anyway, when Chloe came on, um, it was just really, uh, there was a synergy right from the beginning. And we were both kind of like in similar positions because we had because Chloe up to that point, you know, had just done only two movies and they were both like pretty small movies. And obviously the writer got a lot of it well-deserved attention. Um, but still, like we were, we were both kind of being pulled into this like big sandbox and big machine. And so there was a lot of we were sort of like coming from the, the same place and going through a similar experience, I guess, at, at that time in our in our career. And so I remember like us kind of just kind of sitting down and sharing notes about the the pitch process and just talking about winning the job. And there was just like so much overlap in her materials and our materials and and her vision of the movie and and what we thought it could be. And so there was a real strong um, chemistry there uh, from the beginning. Um, And I remember, too, just being uh, really first of like being surprised that she was such uh, a, a huge Marvel geek. Like she actually is like, it's not just BS, you know, for like press or whatever. She's hmm. really is genuinely, um, she loves, she loves the MCU and she, she knows all about it. And she's written like fan fiction, you know, about the Captain America and Bucky and like all kinds of different, hmm. uh, things. And so she's like, he, she's kind of a big nerd, um, um, on top of just being an incredible humanistic <laughs> filmmaker. Um, yeah. And so I, so I just, yeah, I remember being surprised by that and also just by how kind of like funny she was. Like she has a really good sense of humor. She's not afraid of, to laugh at herself. And a lot of those story sessions, you know, that would, that would go on for like, you know, four or five, six hours. I remember by the end, my sides were always hurting. So we would just, we would all be laughing so much because there was just so much good, good humor going around the room and good vibes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was really a, it was really a, a, a enjoyable experience right from the beginning. Kaz, you want to field any of that one too? Yeah, I mean, it, for us, it's just uh, Chloe and I had a lot of weird connections from the jump. You know, we went to NYU at the same time. So she was in grad school. I was an undergrad. Her, the co-producer of Nomadland produced my thesis film while I was actually in school. So there's like a tiny wow. little world there. And you know, for us, it, it, at the end of the day, making a huge seven thousand year love story about uh, immortal space aliens. <laughs> 
it's still just a bunch of people sitting in a room talking about how to tell the best possible story. And that was really the big wake up call and sort of the, the great lesson and very exciting lesson for us is that, you know, no matter the scale, it doesn't change what it, what it really is. It's about people getting together to tell stories and figuring out what worked and what doesn't work and, and having the ambition and the themes and, and just sort of approaching this as a, uh, a big project. And so that was one of the joys for us was that, you know, when you finally have a collaborator in the room and you're really working towards a release date, you're working towards a vision, um, and you're all working together in tandem to tell what I would say is one of the craziest, most ambitious movies uh, maybe ever made in Hollywood. You know, it has <laughs> building this gods inside of planets and building size space creatures. And um, yeah. yeah, and it's a really a huge and ambitious film. And we're really proud of how crazy and, and unique it is because I think that's what we all, we all want. We want something that's different. We want something that's new. Uh, and working with Chloe was just a joy. You know, she, she loves movies the way we do. Well, it comes through in the work and, you know, you've talked some about kind of the, the Mac, grow versus the micro stuff um in the creation process and then of course incorporating the, the humanity talk about you know how you're being affected like how you're interweaving kind of contemporary issues you know we're obviously facing like this concentric these concentric crises um but also a lot of like social awakening stuff talk a little bit about the craft and then like the world building versus the act building and then how you're you two are specifically approaching getting words on you know creating the script from everything that you're synergizing um if that makes any sense yeah no it's an immense question for an immense movie so <laughs> I'll, I'll just take the top level of that and i'll hand it to ryan for me you, know, you were saying you kind of started with this and this is what i was gravitating to it's like you know, this is a movie that somehow manages to be weirdly of the moment, even though we started it years and years ago. And I think that that's one of those things that you can only write for the future you want. You know, that's what movies do. And that's what their gift is, is that you really, you feel like you just want to put the things you love into a film, because those are the only things that are infinitely true. You know, I think there's a, there's a great saying, uh, I forget, who, I forget who this is, but it's been something I've been thinking about. It's like, you make a movie uh for you know to make money or you know for an audience and it fails you, you have nothing but if you make a movie to make art then it fails you have art you know and i think that's <laughs> really one of these beautiful things about about what movies are you know they're both commerce and art they're stories but they make money it's all these different things and so for us you know we wanted to reflect a world that we wanted to see with characters that were different gay characters and diverse characters and, and to challenge all these notions about what superheroes are um, and to put all that in this really big story that's about these huge questions of loyalty and love versus responsibility to your family, you know, about yeah. missionaries choosing, you know, losing their faith in their mission and their gods. And like, you know, it's a it's big stuff. And so that was something that we just wanted to tackle from the jump and what the inherent, it's what Eternals allowed us to tackle. You know, it's, it's a movie about these huge things. Uh, and from a craft perspective, there's another saying I'll trot out for you, Kelton. Uh, <laughs> it is essentially that how do you eat a whale uh, one bite at a time? You know, you start one piece of the process. You, you have this huge intergalactic movie, 7,000 years. And what you do is you, okay, who are the characters in that movie? What do they want? What do they need? Where do you go from there? And, and sort of everything's coming back to that central theme about your loyalty to a higher power versus the real immediate love of your family, the love of your life, the love of people around you. And how do you reconcile those two things? Um, 
that was the core of the film. And we just, we went from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about the, the micro and the macro and, you know, the best movies and the best scripts are doing both really well. You know, the scene work is really good and, and, and the dialogue strong and, and the scenes are, are, are dramatic and, and essentially like little movies with a beginning, middle and end uh, in their own right. But then they're all adding up to some bigger, bigger perspective, basically. And I think, you know, so when it comes to the scene work, um, I think that that is just really about at least how, how I do it is basically I just visualize the movie in my head, like visualize the scene. Um, and then I'm just sim- simply transcribing what, what I see, you know, because hmm. I, I worked for many years as an editor. And when you're an editor, a lot of times you get into a spot where you're just like, oh, man, I, I wish I just had like this shot or I wish the character just said this instead. You know, and you, but when you're an editor, you can't do anything about it because you're just working with the footage that you have. But when you're writing a movie, you know, you, you can, you can do something about it. You can, you can change the whole movie. You can change the scene. You can change the character's costume. You can do anything you want, you know, when it's in your head. So, uh, so as for the scene work, it's just about, um, transcribing what, what I see and then swapping in shots and changing things around like I would as if I was just editing something, you know, um, in, in premiere, um, Hmm. And then, and then the macro view of like trying to get it to all add up to something. Cause that's a lesson that I, I really learned, um, along the way. Like I, I made a feature length documentary, um, before we broke into Hollywood about the rise and fall of online poker called bet race fold. It's on mm-hmm. Amazon prime. You guys can, anyone can check it out. And, um, and anyway, I remember when I was cutting that movie, you know, taking these like 300 hours and trying to distill it down to like 90 minutes is, um, is I would have these like great sequences, you know, that were like really zippy and really strong and entertaining. Um, but then when I would put them all in a row and I would watch like a 20 minute sequence, I would just be like, oh, but it's just like not adding up to something. And that's when hmm. I really started to realize, you know, that you have to have this like third eye, you have to have this, this macro eye that's seeing every micro decision and understanding how it adds up to the, to the bigger picture. And, you know, quite honestly, like that muscle and developing that skill I really believe that you can only do that through experience, you know, like you just have to basically go through the ringer like over and over and over. And you're going to just start to like, like really subconsciously recognize patterns and recognize um, techniques that, that worked and techniques that didn't work. And then, so when you get to a better place and you really develop that skill set, it almost becomes like a subconscious thing that as you're doing the micro work um, and doing the scene work, it's just you're 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 kind of like unconsciously uh, balancing it against you know what happens in minute twenty is balancing against what happens in minute eighty and it's almost like I said like this this unconscious thing that um that you you start to just that you develop just through doing the process over and over and over muscle memory exactly yeah wow I mean I could pick your your collective brands forever. But uh, I know we have limited time, and I want to get into nitty gritty stuff. Talk, and you've talked about John August. He he had been he's actually um, one of my earlier guests many years ago. Big fan of John August's work and his podcast and his uh, screenwriting resources. But yeah, talk a little bit about maybe some of your mentors, or, and or and you talked about you're kind of trying to reverse engineer some stuff, and you have a couple like, I don't know, just tips for aspiring screenwriters on where to start. Like if they haven't, you know, you know, everyone's got an idea for a movie. Like where there's, there's no, that's, I said this, you just opened the door on this metaphor. Um, <laughs> screenwriting is one of those funny things where, because everyone's seen so many movies, they all have an idea, you know, and they all have, you all have an idea for a movie. And I think 
it's one of those things where every single person is kind of like, oh, I could write a movie, you know? And, yeah. and just because I've used a, uh, a toilet my entire life doesn't mean I know how to like install the plumbing for an entire house. <laughs> and I use that metaphor not to be insulting, but to say like, you need to fail to succeed. You need to write a bunch of scripts to learn. And that's really like yeah. the single best thing you could possibly do. There isn't like a book you can read that you're like, okay, once you've read this, you'll be a great screenwriter. That said, I really recommend reading all the books. You know, I personally went to film school and I took screenwriting classes and those are interesting and helpful. And obviously getting critiqued by your peers is helpful. And I read all the books, Robert McKee's story, Sid Field's screenplay. Uh, a very, very helpful one is Screenwriting 101 um, by Film Crit Hulk, which is once upon a time was available free as an ebook online. It's sort of like an anonymous film writer on the internet um, <laughs> who had written it. And it's very, very useful because it uses modern references. You know, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, for me, it's read all those books and then disregard what you don't agree with, you know, and then compare it against your own experiences and your own writing and, and learn methods and methodologies. That's a great way. Um, the most useful thing I can say about screenwriting in general is that it seems incredibly daunting and incredibly scary to look at a hundred and a blank page and say, I have to write 120 of these and it has to make sense, you know, but start off with manageable steps. Use cards to break the whole movie down into a mm -hmm. series of one sentence scenes. This happens and then this happens. Therefore, this happens, but this happens, you know, and use that so that the movie suddenly becomes, well, it was 120 pages I had to write, but now I know the whole shape of it because I wrote it down in index cards. Um, and I think that's methodologies are very useful when writing movies because they're, they're puzzles. You know, they do have a structure and they do work a certain way. So that's my two cents. And then, yeah, well, if I could say anything that people could take away is, um, you know, like one of the biggest notes you'll get constantly if your script's not working always kind of relates almost always relates to clarity you know like things are just not clear whether it's it's not emotionally clear it's not like logically clear it's not the plot character whatever things are just not clear and that almost always relates to uh causality you know um because pe human beings want to make order out of chaos that's just how the human mind works and so with stories that doesn't change we're trying to basically understand like how the story works and why the story works. So always be thinking about um, causality uh, and 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 in from the the micro and the macro. I mean, um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone have a really great um, phrase where they talk about the idea of therefore but, like essentially meaning that those should always be the conjunctions between scenes. So you should never have a scene that goes into the next one with a kind of and then this happens. It's always like therefore therefore this or but this. So that's how you have something that's kind of like this organic thing that's constantly changing and the decisions that your characters are making uh, and the events that are, that are happening are shaping the narrative. Um, and so it feels like purposeful and it feels like there's a causality and there's a there's an order to the chaos. And when you can do that, it's it's just a very satisfying experience as a reader because you you've you've for for a brief moment in time, you've made order out of all this chaos for me. And I thank you for that. <laughs> well, that seems like a great way to to start to wrap this up, and and I appreciate your wisdom and your time. I could, again, like I said, pick your brain forever, but we have a limited amount of time, and I wanted to kind of start to wrap it up here. But um, the film, congratulations, guys! Um, the film is fantastic. What what is next on your punch list? Because you've got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, talk about your what's next for you. Yeah, during this period, you know, we were very lucky to have a little bit of time to really buckle down and write uh, my debut feature as a director, which has been a big part of this journey, you know, from the beginning, Ruin, our very first script was something that we wrote for me to direct. 
uh, and Ryan to produce. And that's sort of always been the nature of this journey in Hollywood. We really find ourselves as filmmakers who write. That said, we do love writing movies and we love writing big ones. So we have a couple of top secret, let's say, big old blockbusters that we hope are going to hit the big screen pretty soon, mm-hmm. as well as two TV shows that we're actually taking out this week um, with some pretty wow. amazing actors and directors. So there's a lot happening. Um, all of it for which we're very grateful for and Eternals, we owe a lot to that. So I, I think the best advice we can always say is keep writing things you love and be ready for when um, the door opens and you can you can step through with that script in your hands. That's pretty amazing. I know you have to go. Did you get a chance to have drinks? Were you on, on set for Eternals? Yes, we, we're not on set for Eternals. We had the great pleasure of writing about 12 drafts, you know, in a windowless room. <laughs> which was uh, really actually, frankly, a lot of fun with Nate and Chloe. But Chloe is a writer-director. There's always going to be this place when she stepped off to do her pass on the draft. So we wrote yeah. you know, a few drafts before she was hired. We wrote a few drafts with her as a director. Um, and then they went off to London to go shoot the movie. And they were working on it, I think, pretty much nonstop until about a month, until about a day before it premiered in theaters. I know for a fact they wrapped production on a... They wrapped editorial on a Friday and the movie was coming out on a wow. world premiere on a Monday. So yes, so Chloe went off. But yes, we did have the pleasure of, if you were going to say, did we ever have drinks with yeah. Angelina Jolie? The answer is yes, we did. In, in Rome, we had a great pleasure of hanging out with the cast. And then cool. in. And, and I can tell you, Kit Harrington is as much of a gentleman and a sweetheart as you wish. And Angie is a poet and a philosopher. And everyone is just, yeah, they're, they're all real, real sweet people. But most importantly, they're great artists. And that's why I really why they're in the film. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, guys. Wish you all the best of luck in the future and please come back and rap with us again. Yep. Thanks, Calvin. We appreciate it. Thanks, Calvin. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm and you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.